everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Pablo Torres from Pablo Wealth Talks. Uh, Pablo is also a good friend and a partner. Uh, and so I am really excited to be here with you, Pablo. I'm excited too, Angela. Thanks for having me. I, I have so much uh, appreciation for you for everything that you're doing. So I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you this morning. Awesome. Awesome. And Pablo is, uh, and, and his organization, which I'll, I'll just position as more of a movement, um, is really focused on financial literacy and creating generational wealth, which I am really excited to kind of intersect our worlds here, because I think this is a key uh, element that organizations should be thinking about right now. So I will bounce it to you just to do an intro. Tell us who you are, um, what you do, but also what is the impact you're looking to make on the world? Yeah, Angela, I, um, you know, I, whenever people ask me that, I, I always feel like what, what is the perfect response sound like, but you know, it's, it's just because a, a lot of the work that I am doing right now is really impacting people's lives from a financial standpoint. Um, but also it, it really comes back down to the personal. So, so um, uh, the conversations that I have with people is really more specific around financial literacy, uh, what you need to learn, how stuff works in terms of, 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 of the wealth that you are looking to accumulate and grow. So for me at the core, Angela, it's, it's you know, I, I founded Pablo Wealth Talks. It's, it's just advocacy to people. It's, it's uh, letting people uh, be comfortable in their own skin about talking money and talking finances because it could be a very scary conversation. And so I, I, I founded Pablo Wealth Talks, Angela, to, to be an advocate to, to people so that they could feel like, hey, I have a resource that uh, is available to me to, to, to have this discussion around building wealth. So um, for me, I was, I was sharing this with you right before we, we, we started, but there's this picture here right on top of my, my, my head. And I, I don't know how things just work out, but they do. My, my, this is a picture that was taken here in the, in the Pilsen neighborhood in Chicago. And uh, my dad, um, who is also named Pablo Torres, so I'm junior, uh, he founded, he was one of the co-founders of an organization in this exact building right across the street from where I'm lo uh, located. And so he, he founded a labor movement union for, uh, you know, immigrants back in the 70s to have the rights of working at, uh, uh, you know, CTA or having government jobs. Because back then, a lot of, you know, Latino and specifically Mexican, you know, community didn't have you know, and any, any really rights there. So to, to have a job. So for me, it's just kind of interesting how things come full circle. I know it's a long way to answer Angela, but you know, for me, there's, there's just a lot of good energy with being here today, having my dad, you know, be there right across the street, being as one of the founders. And this is one of the awards that he, uh, uh was, and there, we have a conference room in the back where I was planning on, 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 you know, uh, setting up, but it just worked out where this, office is available and it has my dad's uh, stuff all over it. So pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, things, things are, are coming full circle, Angela. Yeah. What a, what a full circle moment. And, you know, I, I, I want to 
kind of start to get into this conversation around advocacy around this work? Because I think generally when you think about financial literacy, uh, you know, you think about the usual like 401ks and some of the basics. But, you know, I did want to kind of talk about why this is so important for especially black and brown communities, because I'll just speak from experience. Uh, nobody taught me about financial literacy. It's not a part of our core curriculum when it comes to education. And, the, you know, it wasn't a part of, it wasn't, when it comes to underrepresented groups, it's just not a part of how, how we grow up or even talk about these things. And that's a huge barrier to things like generational wealth and building generational wealth in communities that are already lacking um, so tell us more about your perspective on that. I mean, you're, you're, you're right on. I mean, you're right on the money. Um, and, and, and Angela, I, I feel the same way. You know, I, I, um, you know, I, I've realized early on, um, in my career, um, you know, out, outside of Palo Well Talks, you know, I, I do financial planning for a living, but, you know, for, for me, I just realized that these are just conversations we just don't really have growing up and 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 there's specifically in the black and brown communities and in the inner cities uh you know and marginalized communities i think we just are always in survival mode right and whether that's trying to always wing it figure it out make sure there's food on the table but i think if we just kind of take a step back you know i don't i don't even think we know what creating generational wealth is right just at the core like what 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 is that exactly how can we uh you know transfer the wealth that our parents built or our grandparents built and transition that over to the next generation and so forth and i think we just we hear it and we we just know it exists but what what does that actually look like right and for me i think that's just like a big motivator for me to uh help uh, people understand like what that actually is and and number one just being educated around it I think there's just a core missing piece in just education altogether in this country uh, with with just like you know finances so for me Angela that's like at, for me really important to have that conversation have 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 the tough conversation around creating wealth, talking money, because it's just something that we're not we're not used to. To your point, and may, maybe it could be for a number of reasons. It could be a trauma that maybe we 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 have seen or have or have gone through. It could be education. Maybe we're just not exposed to the resources like other communities may may be having access to. Uh, so everyone has their, their story, but I think just traditionally the black and brown community, there's there's just like still a big a big void. And I'll talk about this a little bit more later on as we just have the conversation. I really want to dive into like what the wealth gap is looking like right now. How what is our purchasing power as a black and brown community? Those are those are things I like to share a ton with people just to give them some perspective that yeah we may not have the knowledge per se, but we we know how to create wealth, we know how to make money, we know how to really roll up our sleeves and, and, and go to work. But now just how, how can we bridge that gap? So there's there's a plan in place, you're educated and and what can we do to make sure that the next generation can 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 you know 
take that over and continue that legacy building. Yeah, and I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about the the wealth gap and the disparity, um, just to put things into perspective. Yeah, so I think more than ever, the wealth gap um, is is pretty incredible how apart, you know, how, how um, the wealthy in this country own the wealth in, in this country. So, you know, the top 1% in this country, right, own 90% of the wealth. So let's think about that, right? The top 1% own 90% of that wealth, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, assets like real estate, uh, you know, assets like, like hedge funds and 401ks and all these just ginormous platforms of assets that are allowing to build that wealth. Um, but it, to me, what's happening with the remaining 10%, right? So that 10% now is, is spread out through the lower and middle class, right? And so now things are getting a lot tougher for the for the lower and middle middle class because the gap just continues to grow and the wealthier become wealthier you probably have heard this but the poor become more poor and and some of those things could be out of our control uh angela because you know we just don't know what we don't know but if we just start taking the right steps with educating ourselves you know listening to podcasts just like like, like this one and really just understanding what are some different uh, educational resources that we can listen to outside of the traditional school system that's gonna help us grow our wealth. So for me, our purchasing power is pretty incredible. You know, the, um, I, did, I did a talk uh, not too long ago, Angela, and, and you know, here in Pilsen at Semillas, shout out to Semillas if they're, if they're listening. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're great. I mean, we, we did, we did a, a talk there together, Angela. For our first one, um, but I shared the purchasing power of the African American community, and I shared the purchasing power of you know the Asian American you know community. I, I shared you know also for the Latino you know community, and we are at a point where I think think things are starting to now blossom with our generation. Angela, we're realizing what power we actually have and our purchasing power is pretty incredible we're we're a trillion dollar purchasing power uh community combined and so now if we look at that and we say well how can we incorporate building wealth it's just more of like a a mental switch and just like of awareness of, of what we need to do and um you know we just have to you know be open-minded to invest into ourselves, invest into, um, you know, our, our own goals and, and how do we, how do we, how do we learn from what's happening with the wealth gap and, and mm -hmm. make that, make that a little bit, uh, closer so that we can slowly start working towards decreasing it. Um, so I think it's a big, a big key takeaway is understanding what the wealth gap is, understanding our purchasing power, right. And now how can we, take a step back and say, okay, what do we need to do to, 
to, to help reduce that in, our, in, in, in the country and just within our own uh, households. Yeah, it just strikes me that you talk about the top 1% and how underrepresented. I mean, we know who those top 1%, what they look like, right? We know they're, they don't look like us necessarily. And then you talk about the purchasing power of black and brown people and communities. And first of all, that what I'm sensing is there's a huge opportunity, but there is a gap. And I think sometimes, you know, we hear people kind of dismiss these things, right? Like there is no gap, there is no racism, there is no issue with the system. But what you just said is a very clear statistic that tells that we have an issue. And I think what we're seeing is, again, an opportunity, but how do we educate so people can take advantage of those opportunities? Um, and so I want to talk about kind of the organization's role in this, because, you know, this podcast is centered around social responsibility at work. And we're talking about a lot of things like um, systemic racism. We're talking about the systems as a whole. We're talking about the economy and how those work together. So what can people who own businesses, who run organizations, what can they do to help with that gap? Yeah, that's, that's a great, a great question, Angela. And I think um, companies are still trying to figure it out. You know, I think people uh, now are speaking up more than ever to uh, what I mean by people, the, the employees are now speaking up more than ever and saying, we would love to have resources around financial literacy, you know, um, that's going to help us save for retirement. What, what benefits do you have with your company um, that's going to allow me to save for my, for my future? Um, so I think, I think the employees now have more power more than ever, Angela, to make a, 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 a change within the organization. And, and I think that's super important to, have the employees not shy away from that conversation when you are working at your employer or during the interview process. Maybe Angela, you can tell me more on like what, what that conversation could be or what questions we should be asking. But I, I, I do think that it, it's, it's going to be a very important part of the interview process, understanding, you know, what values the company has, but at the core of it, you still have to make sure that, this company is the right fit for you financially as well, right? And not, you know, and I'm not talking about salary. I mean, that's important, but what out, what is the platform? What is, what is something that they have, whether it's having a 401k with a match, or if there's a, if they're a small business, um, unfortunately, small business owners, they, they struggle with employee retention. So what can, what can they do as business owners to implement so that they're creating a positive culture. Uh, so some of the things that I think is, is a good idea is to have lunch and learns around financial literacy. You know, having having uh, a guest speaker come in and talk about uh, how what's the home purchasing process like, how to build wealth with real estate. Uh, having guest speakers come in and talk about, you know, different factors of, of creating wealth. Um, so I, I think that's that's in like like the extra or like the like the icing on like trying to build culture where uh, the the business owners could, could could offer that to their employees. But I think more than ever, Angela, there needs to have 
there needs to be a system in place that's going to allow them to invest into the future. Uh, whether that's profit sharing, you know, there's stock options, there's your 401ks, there's, there's so many different things that now are, are available. But I think where people are nervous or they, they just fall a little behind by not, not actually being a part of those, those, those benefits, they just don't know what they are. Right. And so it still comes back to education, right? It still comes back to like learning about what they should be doing. Yeah, and I'll just, you know, also add the point that, you know, there is a responsibility of the organization. So if you're paying, if you're not paying people living wages, for example, how do you expect them to be talking about financial literacy when they are in that survival mode that you talked about earlier? So if you're an organization that is employing people and you're not paying them a living wage, and then you add on, you know, you you hire um, Pablo Wealth Talks to come in and, and have a conversation about home ownership and real estate. You are not going to get the outcome you want because people are literally just trying to survive on the less than optimal salary that you're providing them. So I think there's an organizational responsibility to really take a long, hard look and make sure you're taking care of people and having the things available for them to actually build wealth. Because I think what we're going to see is people are finding other ways to build wealth. That's the gig economy. They're finding other opportunities to have multiple jobs so that they can achieve that. Because I think people are waking up to the fact, especially in underrepresented communities, that I need to have something for myself. And if my job is not providing that, then I'm going to build it. I'm going to make it make it happen. So... Uh, I love what you're saying. And I think that organizations like there are way too many organizations out there that are not paying people living wages um, or taking care of people so that they don't have to worry about just being in survival mode. Yeah, absolutely. And and you hit it right on the head, Angela. I think we we have to make sure that our uh, employers understand like what what each employee deserves income wise, because let's just let's talk about what's happening right now in the economy, right? Inflation hasn't been this high in the last 40 years. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're having whispers about a recession. And even though technically we are in a recession because there's two quarters that have negative growth in the GDP, but it just hasn't been announced. So I, th I think there's just a lot of things happening in the landscape of the economy where more than ever, it's it's tough for small business owners to offer a high paying salary or high paying job because they're still trying to make ends meet from from their own business but once they start scaling up or once now you enter the corporate space i think now you have the employees have more leverage of like hey this is actually what i deserve and to your point angela like there's now so many side hustles that have been created since the pandemic that just because of inflation, the cost of living, cost of goods have gone up. We have really no choice but try to now go into like bur burnout phase, right? With like trying to figure out, I, I need to make ends meet. Um, I need to make sure we have this figured out. And what's interesting, Angela, once you have it figured out and once things are starting to fall into play, uh, into place, I, I think that's where now you need to take a step back and say, okay, what what's next right what what do i do now to make sure i'm 
well positioned five, 10, 20 years from now, right? And, and I think that's where having a conversation with having someone like you, having someone like me speak at an organization or speak in a com community event and, and we're just planting seeds, I, I think hopefully that, that could create an awareness of how important this stuff is to, to really invest into yourself. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a, a, a point about side hustles that I would love to just explore with you for a little bit here, because yeah. there are a lot of organizations, a lot of leaders that I've talked to who do, like do not allow side hustles. Right. So it's in their policies that says you cannot work any other job. And I I personally my own philosophy is. If you're if the person within your organization is contributing and you're setting expectations and they're delivering on those expectations, why not allow allow or create that flexibility for someone to build wealth, especially if your organization cannot afford wealth building tools like a living, you know, a, a livable salary or 401k. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've, I've heard many different perspectives. Um, you know, I, I think it's unfair if organizations are saying, Hey, you're not able to have, you know, your side hustle because, uh, that, you know, they, they still need to make sure they're providing for their family and, and making sure that they're planning ahead. And, and just from what I've learned with my experience, uh, Angela, I think, I think mentorship has a big impact there with, you know, understanding like what why why should we then do a side hustle i think i think people are just unhappy with you know where they're at in in their careers not because the work that they do is not enjoyable they're not they're passionate about, but maybe they're just not aligning with you know the company's values or maybe the 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 stay you know work from home you know shift in the in in like the workplace has changed recently where now they're saying well I'm saving a ton of time and money working from home and I'm actually able to do more essentially get more of a of a you know I'm not sure if you've covered this before Angela but I, I I see that people now are able to save money from traveling and commuting saving money from eating out lunch or hanging out with coworkers for a happy hour after work and so that's just some feedback that I've, I've heard from people now saying I have this extra money, but I'm my true passion is really being an entrepreneur, right? And so my let me let me understand what that looks like. Let me start you know pairing up with a mentor that has you know their own business and maybe just tag along and 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 just learn about their business and learn about like what being a business owner is. And I I, I feel that that is perfectly fine that they should be allowed to to have their own um passion come into fruition um so yeah i i know legally there's some you know uh, you know by 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 rules of, of of laws there's there's something that you can't have conflicts of interest i mean i get that 100 percent. so you know i i i i agree there that there's some some careers that to possess a conflict so you have to also be cautious there but i would say i would say right now there's so many solo and entrepreneurs that are being created on a daily basis and i'm just you know entrepreneurs it has like it's like a soft spot for me because i you know i i you know just this is where, why me and you connect so 
so well too. You know, we we're both running our own businesses and um, I'm all for creating a side hustle if you're super passionate about it. Yeah. And conflicts of interest aside, because I agree a hundred percent, I think you have to protect your company, but I think what's missing from, you know, kind of the naysayers around this is, is not realizing, I think one that the, it's a non-monetary way providing flexibility to your team and your organization is a non-monetary way. You can not only um, provide an opportunity for them to build wealth, but there's also a ton of transferable skills that can be built that can contribute to your company while that person is building their business. Now, again, performance, you have to keep performance expectations high, right? That's that's what we do within organizations. We're clear about what the expectations are, but how you get those results should not matter. <laughs> um, if you need to be in the office and you work a, you know, on, on a, a assembly line, of course you need to be there physically. But if you're working in a, a knowledge type role where you are able to structure your day and your um, your time and your energy in a way where you can produce a side hustle, I am all for the side hustle. Um, so I think you, going back to your question about questions you should be asking when you're looking into an employer or a new organization or new opportunity, I think if you have a side hustle, I think you need to align with an organization that's going to allow you to build that wealth and be supportive of that. I know that's that's probably scary for some people, but um, I went through this process before I decided to start my own business. Uh, I worked for an organization that I was very clear with up front. In the interview process, I said, I'm just going to be real with you. This is, I'm building this business. I'll probably be here two years and I will contribute noticeable, tangible monetary value to your organization in those two years. But after that, I'm going to be working for myself. Um, but maybe I can consult for you, right? So having that open communication early on is important. And you would be surprised how many organizations are open to a situation like that. And then asking the question, how does your how does this organization help their employees build wealth? That's a perfect interview question to ask, right? Because then they're going to mention the 401k, the salary. And if they can't mention those things, and they don't align with your plan, then it might not be a good organization to work for or, or the right organization to work for, for you. Yeah, I love that. I love that question. You know, what, what do you have in place that's going to allow me to build my wealth working for this company? Uh, you know, what, what, what benefits do you have compared to, you know, your competitor, you know, and, and again, Angela, like I, I, I love, I love what you're, what you're saying there because the employees more now than ever have a lot more say in what those benefits should be. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm super grateful and I've been blessed just these last couple of years for my business to, to continue to grow because, you know, I'm, I'm advocating for my clients and making sure that they're making the best money decisions moving forward. Um, but, but also in return, they, from what I've seen, people are changing jobs left and right in the last five years. Well, before it was the, you know, collecting the pension, working there for 30 years, 30 plus years, maybe your grandparents or, or your parents that, you know, same with, with my dad, my mom, you know, they worked for, you know, a, a factory blue collar job for pretty much their whole lives to collect that pension. 
right? And they, they stayed there and it was, it was very different 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now, I think now they're we're more in control of understanding what, what do you have in place that's going to benefit me and my family, you know, from a financial landscape. And it doesn't need to just be an hourly pay or a salary pay. Like what, what does your work-life balance look like? You know, what does that culture look like? You know, what, you know, and, and I think that's where we're shifting a bit. Maybe the pandemic had a lot to do with that, Angela, where we're just taking a step back and saying, well, is it really all about the money, right? Like I, I, I'd like to enjoy some time off with my family and, and don't feel like I have to have a 60 hour work week. Uh, so I guess I'm curious with, with, you know, just what you're seeing, Angela, with just the work that you've done, like how, how is that being viewed now, you know, from, from an organization or leadership standpoint? And like, what, what tips are you sharing with people? Yeah, I, good question. Um, you know, I think that money is a means to an end. And I think sometimes organizations, you know, will look at like the salaries they're paid and be like, we're paying you well, you know, and but they're offering a toxic workplace and shitty leaders. And we have to remember that money is a means to an end. People use their money to spend that on their family, to support a lifestyle, to build generational wealth, to pay off bills and, and things that put them in a better position from a lifestyle perspective. So we have to start, we have to stop just focusing on the number and start thinking about how are we creating equitable, equal outcomes around wealth for people. And that takes some equitable treatment to really understand what do people need? What kind of education do they need? What kind of opportunities do we need to open up for that? And I'm also noticing, um, you know, I do some executive and board coaching um, with boards as a whole, but also individuals. And a lot of the women and women of color, especially who I speak to, it's so interesting because I feel the same way. And I made an intentional like focus for 2023 is that wealth, money, people are scared to like um, make that a value of theirs. Like I will just say it out loud. I value money. Wealth is now one of my top values that I want to achieve. And I think uh, as women, especially women of color, we've been taught that you don't say those things. Like, actually, it, I felt kind of bad initially saying, like, I value money. Uh, and it's because we've been conditioned that way. Um, and so that is also a barrier individually for people to be like, let's talk about money. Let's talk to my husband about how we need to be planning for the future. You can have that role within your household to value money. So those are just some things from an organizational, but then also an individual perspective that I'm seeing. Yeah, I, I, I hear that a lot of clear and I think it's super important. It, it just uh, reminds me, you know, uh, I'm not sure if we have the time, but I, I'll just kind of share a quick story. I had, I had a side conversation with, uh, you know, my brother-in-law at a family party and, uh, you know, and he's African-American and, and we, we both click really well. And, you know, we were, we were just talking about just like what's happening with the economy, like, me and him, we're just like encyclopedias to each other. We're always like, hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or, you know, and um, we were talking about how 
you know, Elon Musk, you know, is taking over Twitter and like just saw the, the stuff that's happening now, how they don't have any issues seeking and growing as much wealth as much as possible. Like no one's questioning how much money, you know, he's he's making or how much like, yeah, there's going to be the political side of it of like, you know, trying to uh, hinder, you know, what, what he's doing. But polit politics aside, I think just overall the landscape, their views of money are very different to us where we're almost like, I'm not going to call it shy, but it's, it's more, we're almost like afraid of making too much money because what, what is that going to, I don't know, like culturally, how, how are people, how are our own people are going to view us? Are you going to view us as a sellout or are you going to view us? Oh, you're not from the hood anymore, or you're not from a certain side of town. So I think for us, we, we've always have been like trying to be more below the radar to not make, to your point, make money a value. But I think if we take a step back, I don't think we should limit ourselves. We should normalize the conversation. We should actually make it at the top of the list to be a, a, a priority to also educate ourselves and educate our kids. Like, hey, let's, let's talk about the value of money. It's a tool for sure, but it's super important. It's an important part of your tool belt, right? To, to success. So um, I wanted to share that, Angela, because, you know, he, we took a step back and we said, yeah, like we, mm -hmm. we are always trying like, oh, well, I'm making enough or I have a nice home and I'm happy and I don't need. But when we take a step back and we're like, wait, we, we don't deserve that. I think we're just conditioned to think that way. And I think now if we just take take the the you know those lenses off of what we're used to seeing um and just like putting on a new vision of like the landscape of like hey let's max out our potential and let's include money to to be a part of that conversation yeah i think it gets back to that that purchasing power that you mentioned early on which the other thing i want to mention from an organizational perspective is if you are an organization that is providing a service, is selling a product, anybody listening to this podcast who's a business owner or is leading an organization, you have to understand that buying power from black and brown communities. And if you aren't involving somebody in your conversations at the boardroom, when you're creating products, when you're creating services, if you don't have that representation, that diversity, you are missing out. Like there is a business case behind this because I mean, I think you quoted $1 trillion plus is on the table um, if you're not thinking about that diversity. And then also, you know, I just to kind of like tie the bow on this, I think that we really have to consider the experiences of underrepresented groups within the workplace and how those groups think about wealth and kind of get out of the, this paradigm of I'm offering a salary, so we should be good. Uh, think about your responsibility as an organization to create wealth, to close that gap. That is a, a great opportunity. If you're talking about DE&I, that is one actionable, sustainable, regenerative way to actually build wealth and equity over time. Um, and you have that power as an organization to provide that depending on how many you know employees you have. And then they have families, right? And they contribute to communities and that buying power. Typically, especially women and women of color, that usually goes back to 
communities and other women, which is, is good for everybody. Yeah, I think, I think just what you're saying is so powerful, um, you know, where we could, we could look at the wealth gap as, okay, this, this is what it is. And this is what, you know, the landscape looks like, but if we break it down to purchasing power, you know, I, I you know, the African-American community, and this is from 2020, rose to 1.6 trillion as a community in purchasing power. So they're, they, you know, the, the, his, the Latino community, 1.9 trillion. And, and this is where I shared this in my last uh, workshop. Um, you know, we, we, the workshop was, you know, creating wealth through real estate. What does that look like? You know, this home ownership, investing, you know, just the, the landscape of what's happening now with the market is a good time to buy versus, you know, we were having a healthy discussion and the energy in the room was incredible. We had some great, uh, you know, speakers, uh, but, but this is where, uh, I thought was a wake up call for everyone. I shared what the, that actually, that the, the wealth is. Right now, the, the white family household has $183,000 built in wealth. Average, average white family. The average black family has $23,000 in wealth. The Hispanic has $38,000 in wealth. So we have 76 to 80% less wealth than white families. And so, yes, we could see the landscape of the wealth gap, but I think now to your point, Angela, we need to have a conversation at the table with organizations to say, hey, we have some very successful, you know, black and brown owned businesses that should be a part of the initiative. Let's not just go straight to, uh, you know, these big box stores and, and let's throw our money because we know that's just what we're used to. How about we, we create an initiative where there's actual, right, uh, decision makers that are going to proactively build equity within, you know, the black and brown uh, community. So I think we're starting to see more of that, but I, I, I know, I know there's still a big opportunity and I think it just comes, it ties back to financial literacy, in my opinion, uh, because now at that point, the, the, the black and brown business owner can say, this is the wealth that we are looking to build. We're looking to build it through real estate. We're looking to build it into investing into the stock market. We're looking to build it through our business. And, and I think that's where, um, you know, we, we could definitely make an impact knowing that what, what should we be doing as a community, right? And, mm -hmm. and as you can tell, you know, I'm super passionate about, you know, uh, having this conversation, Angela, but it goes back to your point. Like these are, these are some initiatives that I, I also agree that companies should, should really actively reach out to, to black and brown business owners because there's so much there, so many great things happening. I love it. Well, I mean, it kind of comes back to the point when you create equitable opportunities for people to participate in the economy, they will participate in the economy. So if you want a booming economy, create equity around wealth, create equity around generational wealth and recognize that there is a gap. And, and that's kind of the, the main points that I'm pulling from this conversation. There's a lot of gems that you dropped, Pablo. So tell us where people can find you. And if they want to engage with you and Pablo Wealth Talks, how, do, how might they do that? 
Yeah, so uh, Angela, I appreciate you and everything that you're doing. So, uh, you know, I always want to say it publicly and between what we, you know, uh, our own side conversations, you're doing amazing with what you're doing. Thank uh, you. Your and all the work. So, uh, you know, you, you have a, a huge fan over here. Um, so uh, for me, people can find me on, on Instagram. Um, you know, I have a Pablo Well Talks page. It's it's uh, it was just founded uh, earlier this year, and it's it's a grassroots effort. Um, it's it's not there's no um, secret to the sauce. It's 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 you know I like to call it like like the fubu, uh, you know philosophy for us by us, and 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 it's and it's the same, and I feel like that creates a lot of. Uh, integrity with you know what we're doing and I um, it's called Pablo Well Talks you can follow me there uh, you can send me a message there you know I also run and own a financial planning business but you know for me my core right now is is really uh, advocating for for financial literacy and having a, a conversation as a community and 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 culturally like what what can we do to, to grow our own wealth in our own way um, but yeah, Angela, you, you could find me there. People can reach out to me there. I I also am available to do workshops. So if anyone is interested uh, having me as a host, uh, I love to talk in front of people. I don't think I shy away from that. Uh, but uh, yeah, if, if, if people want to reach out, you can follow me there. And um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to keep growing the, the, the Well Talks because I, I do feel like we're just scratching the surface. Um, we're just scratching the surface, and and the reason I say that, there's, if if we look up, if we look up, there's not a lot of financial uh, resources that are available to us that look like me and you, Angela. And if I could be that resource, that people could say, hey, Paulo looks like me, I can relate to him. We come from the same, you know, background, same. I, ideas and I, I'd like to learn more about what I need to do to make sure I'm building my own wealth. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Uh, you know, connecting with a ton of people, you were a part of the, the kickoff, which I, I love. And I know people to this day, Angela speaks super highly of you. So I'm, I'm excited to, to keep growing Pablo well talks. And, you know, I'm, 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 I think it's just, uh, there's no ceiling for that. And to my point earlier about the, like the whole Elon Musk, like uh, there's no ceiling. Wherever it goes, I'm 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 here for it. Uh, but it, it's all about you know at the end of the day the, the community and 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 providing that education. To them. That's amazing. Well, Pablo, I want to thank you for taking the time, sharing the knowledge that you have. Uh, really appreciate you being on the podcast and and being a partner in in all things. I would say partner in crime, but uh, just my partner in all things financial literacy. So, so thank you. Absolutely, Angela. Well, uh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for, for having me on. And I'm, I'm sure this is uh, uh, hopefully going to help people out. And, and, you know, if there's anything that any of your listeners, you know, just have any questions, I want them to feel comfortable with, you know, uh, shooting me, you know, a, a message. But thanks again, Angela. I really appreciate you.